Hello, and welcome to XX Will Travel, a podcast for independent women travelers. I'm Inez Bolina. And I'm Kathy Polkerbeck. And together we are XX Will Travel. Today we have a dear friend of the podcast on the show. You are. Who's been with us since the inception. Yes, and I. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You have. (laughs) trained us on the art of garage band and audacity. So we are forever beholden. So her name is Jessica Kent. Jessica is a human lady person who hails from the East Coast. By day, she works as an account manager for a rad startup and is a freelance pet sitter. By night, she works hard to achieve her Goodreads goals, is one-third of an hour with your ex after Dark's Pride and Podcast team alongside Mel Evans and Rachel Grandy, and dabbles in Chicago's independent theater scene as a writer, producer, director, and occasional actor. You can follow her on Twitter at K-E-R underscore pow, so at Kerpow, for pizza feelings, jokes, and 140-character political feminist rants. Yay! Yay. So that's kind of rant. Exactly. (laughs) It's me in a nutshell. Ranter. So thanks, Jessica, for coming. And today we have an awesome episode because we'll be talking about travel epiphanies. Yay! Yay! And the reason this came to be was because Jessica went on a road trip all around Texas recently, and she wrote a blog post about it, but not so much about what she saw or what she did, although there's a little bit of that, but more about things that she realized with regards to her stage in life, with her dating goals at this time, and this all came to be because she was, you know, on the road for hours on end. And where can we find that blog post? Oh my goodness. Well, on WordPress. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that my blog is called I Don't Want the WordPress.com because I haven't paid for the name yet. Excellent. <laughs> but we can put a link to it too okay. yeah. on the show notes. Um, a lot of really great, embarrassing stuff about dating and really uh, poignant stuff about death uh, and whatnot. It's just a frolicking good time. <laughs> I'm always happy. You know, I'm sure our listeners will then read your blog post from start to finish. But in the meantime, can you tell us a bit about the trip and what realization it is that you had? For sure. Well, I I work for a company based in Texas, but I work remotely. And I made the plan to go to Texas to visit our office. But uh, before that, I wanted to go see a couple of other cities because I'm not super familiar with Texas, uh, other than kind of Austin. Mm-hmm. And so I drove a lot because I don't drive here. I don't have a car. And um, while driving, I just uh, couldn't get a lot of radio stations. And I didn't, (laughs) I forgot to bring CDs with me because who remembers that? And um, wait, CDs? What is that? Compact discs. (laughs) They they contain some musics. Retro. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm like real into like retro stuff. So the radio kept coming in and out and I like for a brief period of time was just like making up songs. And um, sometimes when I, when I feel like my thoughts are very muddled, I talk to myself. Mm -hmm. And so driving from Dallas to Houston, took quite a few hours. Plus I made a bunch of stops. So I had a lot of time to kind of talk stuff out to myself and decided that I was going to be quote unquote selfish and just focus on feeling comfortable and Mm -hmm. truly feeling happy with how my life is. Like, I feel like things are falling into place really great. I love my jobs. I love uh, everything that I'm doing artistically. I could always be doing more, but you know, Mm this whole dating thing has really been bogging me down and trying to figure out what I want out of a romantic relationship. And 
it stresses me out so much that I just figured, how about I start doing the things that I need in order to ensure that I feel like I'm achieving what I want. I weighed a lot of my wants versus needs and the whole dating thing kind of putting that back on the back burner because it's, yeah. not, it's not an immediate need. Is that something <laughs> you still feel strongly about now? Like a few days or a few weeks after your trip? It is. I mean, and I've, I've thought about it a little bit too because it was just like, okay, well now I'm back in Chicago. I'm trying to like readapt to that like stable saying where you are for a little yeah. while and it's still pretty much the same like I mean don't get me wrong if I and I said this in the blog post too if I came across like if I just had one of those amazing meat cutes and I wouldn't just turn someone away and be like right. I'm going through a thing right now I don't <laughs> I don't need this but um but it's not a priority yeah so yeah it's still not a priority and I feel like there are going to be times when I'm like oh god it, maybe it should be but I don't think it should be right now. Right. Like, if it happens, it happens? Yeah. 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 Like, it was, it just seemed like such a chore where I was like, I'm putting artistic things to the side so that I can go on these really weird, horrifying, ooh, dates. I'm sure that these are perfectly nice humans outside of the dating world. Right. Probably not. But, like, it just, <laughs> it was exhausting when I hated coming home feeling like I should have been, you know, applying for shows or writing more yeah. or something. And, Yeah. I don't like that feeling. No. <laughs> so has this been the first epiphany you've had traveling? No. Ooh. Oh. T tell us about no. your first time, Jessica. <laughs> Actually, my first my first travel epiphany occurred right before I was about to take a trip. Oh. Um. The year was 2014. <laughs> I was about to go to Los Angeles to visit a friend of mine who lives out there. And um, I was sitting in my office feeling generally blah and... This was before my current happy, loving job. When you have a job that you go to and you're just like, why am I, I know this is a means to an end, I have to just do this, um, you tend to look at different websites and read other things a lot. I'm not familiar <laughs> with that at all. Nope, not here. <laughs> Weird notion, I know. <laughs> but I came across this really amazing, um, I feel, I, th I believe the woman who did it was like a photo, a photojournalist series done by a woman about uh, funeral practices in Sweden. Mm -hmm. And I have a funeral and, and um, medically death background. That's like the wrong, the most wrong way to say it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm medically death background. <laughs> um, but I worked in a morgue for a while. And so like the seeing those pictures and thinking about how I was about to get away from everything that was making me feel horrible reminded me how much I loved working with in the funeral industry yeah. and working with people who are trying to go through something incredibly terrible. I know this is a super downer, but it has a positive <laughs> ending. So that actually started me on my quest to become a death midwife. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I've been doing a lot of research and finding out more and more about certification ever since then. And that was about a little over, I guess, a year and a half ago at this point. And so, yeah, I feel like my head was ready to be emptied of everything that was holding me back negatively at that moment. Yeah. And I saw that and I was like, I'm going to think on this. Maybe I'll go back to, maybe I'll go back to school, go to mortuary school. And that just kind of snowballed what I wanted out of a further relationship with, with the death care uh, as a whole. Yeah. Death care industry as a whole. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How about you, Kathy? Um, my first epiphany I've ever had because of travel. Yeah. Mm. Mine is like the total opposite. You are not embarking <laughs> in a career in the death industry. Weird. Yeah. Wouldn't that be weird if I was, though? That it would be would. the best. It would be amazing. You should do it. So 
I would. I know I've mentioned this before. I studied abroad in Zimbabwe. I lived with a host family, and I remember a specific moment in time where I woke up in my bed. The sun was shining on my face. My acne had cleared up while I was there. <laughs> yes, and I know. Bonus. <laughs> yeah. And um. This thought just popped into my head where I was like, this is where I'm meant to be right now, and life is perfect, and I want to pursue this feeling again, and that was when I was a babe, and I'm still chasing that feeling, uh, but that sticks, that's the one moment, a random moment that sticks out in my mind. What I was thinking was more kid epiphanies, and I think... The reason for this was because I moved around so much as a kid. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if it was necessarily tied to how I felt about travel, but I just remember one very powerful trip I took with my family to Peru after I had been living in the States for several years. So this was when I was seven or eight years old. And I had memories of Peru, but they tended to be fragmented. You know, I had left the country when I was four or five. So it was mostly of, of private spaces, you know, like my grandparents' house and my nursery school and things like that. But when we went back, Peru was kind of in the midst of all hell breaking loose. There was a ton of internal violence. The government had completely, had pretty much close to collapse. Um, there were, you know, like uh, electricity going off, no water. There was a cholera epidemic. <laughs> Basically everything that can go wrong in the country was going. And my parents are like, it's time we took you to see your family. And to be fair, I was excited up until we landed, uh, you know, in Lima. And I remember my mom told me, whatever you do when we leave the airport, you look straight ahead and you don't look to the sides, which is kind of the most effective way to get me to do the opposite. Right. right? <laughs> especially as a small child. Oh yeah. My God, especially yeah. as a little kid. So as soon as we left the main area of the, of the airport, because there were people just kind of on all sides waiting for their loved ones. I mean, it was a mass of people. And I immediately looked to my left and I see a kid that had been amputated mm. and his like eyes were bulging out from some sort of weird disease. And that was kind of in my little mind, even though I knew theoretically that like poverty, you know, and terrible things happen to children. It wasn't something I had seen up close. And I was, I remember I stopped like dead in my tracks, just like, I can't keep going. Oh, and my no. mom was like, we have to go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. But I think it's like from a very young age, it's kind of like the epiphany was like, holy crap, I'm really lucky. Even though maybe that's not how I like, you know, thought about it in my head, but it, but it was definitely this realization of like, why is he like this? And I am not like this. Anyway, so we've talked to death, <laughs> we've talked to children and great pain. <laughs> and happy moments. And happy yeah. moments. There are happy moments. So with regards to the people that you love or people that you don't love as much, have you ever had a travel epiphany with regards to a relationship? Not necessarily a romantic one, but it can be a relationship with a friend or it can be a relationship with a family member. Um, something that you realized because you went on a trip. Kind of. So uh, for a really long time, um, my sister and I, I feel like my sister and I were kind of pitted against each other as kids. <laughs> a couple of years ago, we both separately traveled to Florida to visit our grandmother. Mm -hmm. And we came to an interesting realization. We didn't fight at all during the trip, which is like the first time that ever happened. We spent several days together. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, we didn't fight at all. We had a really great time. We 
basically we're just, you know, trying to make the most of our time with our grandmother and make sure that everything was fanciful and fun for her because yeah. she had been kind of sick at the time. And I can't speak for her, but I think for me it made me realize, even though I was almost 30, that, like, we could just be friends. Like, we can, <laughs> we, can, we can talk to each other and not end up with one of us screaming or crying or generally just slamming a thing or breaking something. Like, we could have a, a real relationship and a real conversation. Yeah. Like, I think it was one of the first times that we were interacting where our parents weren't there. Mm. So it was just, like, a whole different dynamic of, like, no, 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 we're, like, we're just two people moving towards the same goal, and we both like the same kind of snacks. Let's just eat snacks and be cool. <laughs> so, like, that was that was nice. Um, yeah. Before, recently, I haven't traveled all that much. Like, yeah. any family trips that I went on were not all that fun. So <laughs> <laughs> I think that's my biggest other person travel epiphany of, like, we're real people. We don't have to fight. And it, it's interesting to see someone that you've known your entire life in a completely different light for the first time. Yeah. And you've known them for like almost three decades. Right. Um, so that was, that was cool. But it also made me feel bad because I was like, man, it'd be really cool if I'd, if I'd known you were cool sooner. <laughs> and I don't mean that as a dig to her, but like as like a, we're not head to head in competition here. Like this right. is, this is cool. We're, we're okay. <laughs> when I moved to New York, my dad was kind of the one family member who would visit me most frequently because he would be sent there a lot for work. And it was kind of the first time in a long time that he and I had spent time together without my mom or without all my other siblings. It was a strange dynamic because it was kind of the first instances where I realized that my father was getting old. He had lived in New York in the 80s back when I was a kid and that was kind of the New York he remembered so that means that he would freak out you know about the idea of me taking the subway. He would never even touch the subway like it was not even a possibility in his mind. You know where for him it was kind of the Upper East Side was safe but anywhere below 14th Street was a hellhole and he kind of just wanted to go back to the places he knew, like whether it was because he liked them or because he thought they were safe, and to kind of push him away from that and to really let him know how much the city had changed was a bit of a struggle, you know? It's almost like he wouldn't believe me. He had to see it with his own eyes. Once he did, it was fine. You know, it's like, we're going to this restaurant. It's on the corner of A and B. <laughs> we're like, west of this, and you will see that it's not filled with, like, drug addicts and gang members mm -hmm. but he would only realize this once we got out of the cab and he'd be like oh yeah this is pretty I'm like I know <laughs> um, but there was kind of a lot of directing him and guiding him and almost holding his hand which was a very which was in a position where I hadn't been ever in my life you know it was had always been reversed it's like your dad you know is the one that like would guide me and make sure that I was safe and make sure that I felt comfortable mm -hmm. so Parents wow. getting old. Yeah. How about you, Kathy? I think you always, like, traveling with someone is always an epiphany because <laughs> because people are very different in transit, you know? Yeah. And when they're yeah. in a new environment, for better or for worse, like, you can find out you love traveling with someone or that someone you love at home just is not a good travel companion. <laughs> Put it nicely. Um, and I think people's, their personalities change when they travel, like... Some people 
are uncomfortable in new places and become more reserved. Other people, like my persona, Vacation Kathy, gets, <laughs> gets a little loosey-goosey and is like more open to talking to people and trying new stuff, you know, whereas I'm not that way at home for some reason. Maybe because it's too familiar. Yeah. I don't know. That's something I'm still resolving in myself. <laughs> well, let's talk about that. What have we learned about ourselves because we're, we traveled? Mm-hmm. Other than our need to... To think about death all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's more of a want. So um, I, I feel like I've always been a fairly individualized person, mm-hmm. um, but and my independence has been something that I've always been very proud of. Traveling alone, with the exception of the time I went to Las Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> this is so horrible and lonely. Um, but I think it's just because the city is so strange. Um, yes. I love traveling by myself. I am mm-hmm. very much function Like, I'm a, a slave to time, but in a good way. <laughs> like, if I need to, like, wake up at um, 6.30, I'm up, take a shower, have a coffee, let's go for a walk. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not really great on waiting on other people. Yeah. I feel like I have a very specific personality where it's just like if you're not ready we can't do this thing even if this is open all day right um i do the same thing <laughs> yay impatience is great i know <laughs> but i can be really like there there when i went to portland there was one day when i i worked from my airbnb and then i was just like i know it's actually really nice out but i think i'm just gonna lay in bed and eat soup and watch a bunch of really horrifying documentaries about crime <laughs> yeah i just yeah. but then the next day I turned around and was like all right seven o'clock i'm gonna go for a walk and i'll come back here when the sun goes down so i have a very specific temperament about myself in that i am 100 percent confident that if i go anywhere alone i'll be totally fine mm-hmm. yeah i'm probably not going to talk to anybody unless they talk to me first and then i'll assess how we're going to move forward <laughs> <laughs> And that kind of worries me a little bit for if anyone's ever like, hey, we should go to such and such a place. And I'll be like, yeah, we should. Here's a list of things you need to know (laughs) that I'm going to do and I'm sorry beforehand. Yeah. I mean, strangely enough, I think I've learned that I'm not as fearful as everyone pegs me to be. And this is like just family issues bubbling up. But um, I think within my family, I'm kind of known as the one who's like prudent and who thinks things through and is not impulsive and does not make any decisions. And I wasn't the daredevil. I'm the one that does not go on the freaking roller coaster ride because why would I submit myself to that kind of torture? Mm -hmm. You know, I don't like big waves. There's like, I'm not a thrill seeker in the conventional sense of the word. And Mm -hmm. I think for that reason, a lot of times people have kind of interpreted that as me being afraid. And I think sometimes I've even internalized that. But the older I get, I mean, when I started traveling alone, I really did not see it as any sort of declaration of anything. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, oh, I want to do this and I'll do it. And I had very little fear behind it. And the more I do it, or I guess when I started doing it, it's only then that I realized that a lot of people in the world actually find that to be super scary. Exactly. You know, like the people who go on roller coasters with their friends <laughs> are sometimes the ones who are like, there's no way in hell I'd ever do that. And I think the reason my family didn't necessarily see it as 
something courageous in the beginning was because we were all travelers. Um, or at least my sister would say that at one point she's just like, I just think you're afraid of everything. I told her, well, I've done all this. And she's like, but that's normal. I'm like, no, it's not normal actually to be 21 years old, pick up your stuff and be by yourself in Europe for two months. Right. A lot of people yeah. don't do that. Right. It's not normal to like, you know, decide to go to like, I did most of my education abroad while my family, it wasn't like they were two states away. They were actually like continents away. Mm -hmm. And most of my friends don't even feel like comfortable doing that now. Like, you know. Um, and she's like, oh, I guess you're right. I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah, I'm right. You're serious, <laughs> so, though. <laughs> so, yeah, so, like, you won't get me to go and swim with sharks. But there's other things I do that people just won't even entertain. Right. So, because yeah. it's what you want to do. And no right. one else is going to do it with you. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yep. So, yeah, how about you, Kathy? Well, I learned that while I may waffle on decisions in my daily life, that... <laughs> Like, if you give me the same decisions to make in China, I make them on the fly, and I'm yeah. really good under pressure. For some reason, being in a strange place, I'm like, if I don't make this decision, no one will, and the yeah. world is going to end. <laughs> so it's like, which restaurant should we eat at? I don't know. And I was like, we're eating at this one. And I lead, and for some reason, people follow. And I also love that something I really love to do is to help people in terms of sharing my experiences when I travel. Like, nothing gives me more joy than being able to give recommendations and have someone help a better trip or help them feel less stressed about visiting a place. Really, I enjoy creating positive experiences for people when they're traveling. Like, some people are really guarded with their secrets, and I'm like, no! <laughs> Let me tell you all about Albania! Like, probably more than they ever wanted to know, but like, and then they'll come back and be like, we tried this restaurant, it was really good, and I'm like, I know. So maybe it's bragging rights, but that just makes me feel really good to help people not make the mistakes that I did, or just to... Give them peace of mind, I guess, because I think everyone should travel and I will do anything to get people passports <laughs> and get them on the road. <laughs> to a certain extent, it's like I've both learned the good things about myself and the bad things about myself. Yes. Yeah. So I think the good thing about myself is that, right? Like I take way more risks than I think I give myself credit for. On the other hand, travel has taught me that if it wasn't for travel, I'd be the biggest, most judgmental bitch of all time. Yes! Oh, no. Like, I am not a tolerant person. I'm just not. I think I know better. I think, like, I think my opinions and my taste are the golden standard. And I think the only reason why I'm okay with much larger issues, you know, um, I think we're all a little bit racist, but I consciously try not to be yeah. as much, you know. And same thing with, like, when it comes to, you know, like, polyamory and other religions and whatever it is I honestly think travel was what taught me to be okay with all these different lifestyles and choices not because I there wasn't necessarily a time where I was super evil and racist or whatever but I just think if I had grown up sheltered and not exposed to other people I would probably think like Peru is the best country and Catholic religion is the truth and you know, and I don't understand why, whatever, Uzbekistanis do this. That's just weird and it's wrong. Like, I'm just convinced that that would be the case. And maybe yeah. part of it is, too, because when you do meet people who are very sheltered, those are kind of the results. Those yeah. are the people yeah. you judge now. <laughs> those are the people I judge now. 
I still judge away. That's why I watch reality TV like there's no other. I need to project my judgment onto something. So so travel has made me a better person. I, I feel like, yeah. yeah, I totally agree with that. I know that as a super travel new kid, like, I was really anxious about going to Texas with, like, bright blue hair because yeah. I was like, oh, God, they're all just going to be like, you ain't from around here and, like, weird situations that I don't know how to explain. But literally everybody that I ran into was just like, cool hair, cool hair. And I was like, shouldn't you be, like, you know, doing that thing with the shotgun where you're like, ch-ch-ch. And, like, <laughs> I don't know what that, oh, cocking we the shotgun. We don't like your kind. Yeah, yeah, like, you're one of them New Yorkers. Like, I, I seriously just went there and I was like, are you going to run into some big hats and just deal with it and I didn't like and that was my me breaking my own horrible horrible stereotype I'm really sorry Texas people are cool but Dallas drivers need to calm down (laughs) I have I have a lot of preconceived notions because I haven't seen much and I did grow up very in a very guarded household so I'm still learning so much and like being able to expand by region of the United States before I venture outward, yes. I feel like is making me feel like even more amped up for like, next I'm going to go to Canada. Canada! <gasps> and then Germany or something. Yeah. That That's so true. I just got back from Jordan in the Middle East <laughs> and I was freaked out because yeah. I was like, I'm a woman, I'm traveling by myself. Um, I met a Jordanian guy while I was in Dubai for work and he's like, you're going by yourself? You know, everybody had that same reaction, and I knew that they, Jordanian men, have a reputation for catcalling. So, which I was not nervous about getting catcalled, but nervous that I couldn't keep my shit together if I got (laughs) catcalled. I went there, and the people are so kind. I did not get catcalled at all, but I think... Maybe that's because, I'm going to say, go out on a limb and say because it was raining and everyone was inside. (laughs) Weather does affect uh, societal behavior. Yes. It does. Um, And then I just saw men on the street. No one gave me a second glance. Um, And then I was surprised because, dude, the Jordanian ladies are holding it down. Like... (laughs) Men would just be hanging out on the streets, chilling with their homies, and you'd go into a museum, like with the the Jordan the Jordan Museum with the Dead Sea Scrolls, and it would be all these ladies keeping shit together. And that's I think that's how the world the world runs in general. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know it's kind of amazing. I mean, this is like a huge swath of the world, but you know, being from a Latin American country, I always get the whole like Latin America machismo it's like you women are oppressed and i'm like have you met any woman from a latin american country like there are a ton of issues and i'm not saying that there isn't um like you know society like screwed up societal expectations and all that but at least when it comes to peru it's like we're basically keeping it all down right and it's amazing it's like whenever there's a record there's like you know a record of anything like Woman Peruvian shatters world record. Yeah. (laughs) You know? It's like, it's not this black and white kind of machismo that they teach you in, like, undergrad. And and I think in a lot of ways, this idea that somehow women from these regions come to the U.S. and they're somehow liberated is kind of overrated. Obviously, this will depend a lot. I'm not going to take the whole world or whatever. But at least when it comes to me on a personal level... I don't necessarily think the men in the U.S. are more enlightened than the men back in Peru. Right. (laughs) They just express it in different ways. Right. And that's kind of been my experience with men in general around the world. It's like, 
they're, they all kind of suck in the same way. <laughs> and they're all kind of great, too. But I'm just saying when it comes to gender relations, yeah, they just yeah. express the kind of inequality in different ways. Right. Yeah. Right. And another thing about the Middle East is um, people want you to think it's a war zone, particularly for <laughs> if you're the U.S. Oh they're like, God, yeah, you're right. going to get blown up. Uh, I, I traveled with a group at one point and they went up to the Syrian border and nothing happened. I walked yeah. around the streets of Amman and nothing happened. I did not get blown up. They call themselves, the people of Jordan call themselves the Switzerland of the Middle East. And I felt really super safe. And I was surprised, because usually I don't fall for that, like, the media hype. But, um, I don't know, it was a a cool place. Yeah. I mean, you're still human, you know, if you keep seeing, like, this, like, the same message over and over again, it's hard not to internalize it. Right. To a certain extent. So, you kind of mentioned how before you tr- this trip you decided to, you know, kind of change gears in your career and look back into, um, you know, working with, with morgues and death and all that. Mm-hmm. But besides that, has have you ever made an important life decision because of a trip? You know, kind of. I feel like uh, there was a, a period before I moved to this great city of Chicago mm-hmm. uh, where I was on the fence about potentially moving somewhere and came to visit for a weekend, and it was the worst... I had the worst time. Uh, I It was like March of, I want to say, 2011. It rained the whole weekend I was here. I got really sick. Uh, I didn't anticipate walking as much because I drove everywhere. So, like, walking half a mile to me would have been like, oh, my God. And now I'm like, I only walked, like, five miles today. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was awful. And then I got back to North Carolina and... Um, I was in a relationship at the time and I like literally the day after we got back turned to my boyfriend at the time. It was just like, we need to move to Chicago. (laughs) Like we really need to move to Chicago. So now that's really the only, like, I feel like I never should have made that. Like, I mean, it was like based on how the trip went. Yeah. My decision was out of, like from out of nowhere. (laughs) But there were like a lot of other factors in place as far as like education and comedy and our future. That worked out super well. <laughs> like, it's a it's something that I definitely don't regret, and yeah. I definitely made it over literally being in Chicago for maybe forty eight hours. Um, that's probably the biggest decision yeah. decision uh, I'm I've ever made in that respect. Um, I mean, it's a pretty big one. Oh yeah, yeah. college. <laughs> I did the same thing with college. Actually, I went to visit one college, and I applied to one college. And I got into that college, oh my God. <laughs> which was lucky for me. Yeah, right? but yeah, like we went. I went with my parents to check it out. We drove to North Carolina. I fell in love. Like, like I can't even describe. I still remember that moment, and it was just amazing. And yeah, it was the only college I applied to. My parents were just like, "So your fallback would be?" And I was like, "No, <laughs> there is no plan B." Yeah, this is destiny. I don't know if you've heard of that. A career at Starbucks. So yeah, college and moving to Chicago were my two big. I guess that's not necessarily. I guess a travel epiphany, as it was like a check things out, see how you feel about things epiphany. Yeah, I'm very much like a leap before you look kind of person, but I'm also a really big pros and cons hemming hawing over decisions person. Um, but if I get a feeling about something, I'm like, no, this has to happen. Yeah. This is, this is it. Like, I don't, we don't need a list. Right. How much money, I don't know how much money I have. It doesn't matter. We're doing this. Like, <laughs> we'll figure it out. It's supposed to happen. So this is going to happen. Yeah. How about you, Kathy? 
Now let's just go back to studying abroad because it gave me the courage to move abroad again after college when I was like, that wasn't so bad. I did it for four months. I can do it for a year. <laughs> it's funny when you mentioned the college thing because even though I applied to, I started my application to three different Canadian universities mm -hmm. because I heard back from McGill's you know, pretty early on, I never finished applying to the other two. I'm like, I want to be in Montreal and I want to go to this college. I hadn't even set foot in Canada or the places, but I'm like, I just know. Oh my God, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I really want to. I had a strange epiphany in Guatemala almost because Jessica and I can high five the moving to Chicago with a, <laughs> with a significant other and having that relationship fail. Just blow up in your face. Just blow up in your face. So awesome. While our relationship with Chicago thrives. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Weirdly got better literally the day after. <laughs> I know. I'm like, it's amazing how much more you like a place when you're not depressed all the time. Exactly. <laughs> so even though I'm actually quite happy in Chicago now and I'm, you know, and I love it and I'm, I'm fine staying where I am. When I went to Guatemala in November, I realized all of a sudden that there's literally no reason for me to be here either. Yeah. You know, it's like because I had closed myself to the possibility, kind of psychologically, I had to about thinking of where I could live anywhere else. It just kind of took a while for me to realize that actually now I have options. I'm, and I'm not making like any crazy moves now. Sure, sure. But to kind of know that has been very liberating. Mm -hmm. Like if for whatever reason I no longer like it here, I feel like my time has is gone. <laughs> Yeah. Like, I can pack up and move again. And for some reason, it took Guatemala to get me to realize this. <laughs> I feel like I'm literally yeah. going through the same exact thing, where I'm just yeah. like, it's not that I don't like Chicago, it's just that I could basically go anywhere. Yeah, exactly. I'm not involved right. into Chicago. Like, I was here partially, for, I don't do comedy anymore, and not in a relationship with someone who has to stay in Chicago for five to seven years anymore. Right. What am I doing here? And I feel like that's something that occasionally will come through, like... That that thought hit me, I think, when I went to go visit my sister in Delaware over yeah. the summer with like, wait, what am I really doing right now, actually? Yeah. What am I doing? Mm -hmm. And that, I think, started my quest for traveling more and seeing different places and originally began as like a, maybe I could live in the Pacific Northwest, which I would love to. It's amazing, but money. Yeah. And like, or maybe I can live in Texas, <laughs> which is really great it's just politics that make me uncomfortable there oh yeah. yeah so yeah now all my travel is like guided by where could i potentially what feels like home yes yeah well also what am i just met so many people who are kind of expats or doing like the digital nomad thing you know yeah. and also from kind of the states or canada so they knew both kind of the pressures of like this environment you know and of a career and of like rent and everything else and how they had just kind of decided to like turn their back on that and they were fine mm -hmm. yeah you know yeah. <laughs> yep. so it was also this kind of notion of like oh right just because I decide to leave like a stable job doesn't mean that I will be in the gutter right yeah. so it was very enlightening let's talk about false epiphanies and I feel like Kathy <laughs> has kind of you touched a little bit upon this with regards to vacation Kathy versus daily life Kathy. It's true. Let's expand on this. Like, have you ever at one point thought, I can bring vacation Kathy home? Ooh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I've tried. <laughs> I have tried so hard. I think it would require therapy um, <laughs> to be like, it's okay. Yeah. It's almost like a dual personality scenario. I just feel like... 
when I am on vacation or in even in a different city, even like on a business trip, there's so much new stuff to see and new people and just creative stimulation and excitement. And then I come home and it's cold <laughs> and I have to pay my electric bill and I have to go to work. Right. And, you know, my friends and I... We're, we're good about getting around the city, but, like, you always end up at the same places. You talk about the same thing with your work coworkers, with your colleagues, you know? So, I don't know. I could use some help. I, <laughs> <laughs> besides alcohol, you know? I just, I'm willing, more willing to go out on a limb when I am uh, traveling because it's like there is a feeling of, it's a temporary, you know? And there are very rarely consequences because you're never going to be in this place again trying this thing again that's 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 my struggle i, <laughs> I mean i think the struggle is real yeah. I <laughs> because there is a vacationiness and i think that's the most extreme side of vacationiness that never seems to transfer is my side that is like super hippie and super okay with not being ambitious. You know, when I travel, I'm like, I could just live off smoothies, have some sort of like job bartending at a hostel and have a quiet life where all I really do is kind of read and talk to new people. And like, and that there's something so, so freaking appealing to me about that. Like where all this pressure to achieve anything of value is gone. Right. Mm -hmm. But then I, and I'm like, and I can do it, like, I can go back to Chicago and feel this way about stuff, but it doesn't happen that way. It's like, I go back, I go into my daily job, which isn't even, by the way, a field that I want to be in or study or like had studied. And it's like, I still feel like I need to kick ass and like move up because I was taught to achieve. Exactly. And like, I'm sitting there so frustrated with myself where it's like, why can't I just Instead of leaning in, like, why can't I just lean back and be like, <laughs> none of this matters. I don't care about any of this. And right. it's impossible for me to do so. It's because your parents gave you a work ethic. They did. And it's, it's a blessing and a curse. Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> um, and Vacation Kathy is also very chatty. Like, she'll talk to anybody. Whereas if I'm on a bus in Chicago, I'm like, don't look at me. <laughs> Well, yeah. that's kind of different, though, too, because I feel like the people that you encounter on the road are not bus people. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. Like, it's not, you know, because you know when you're, like, sitting on the bus and you're sitting in the seats that are, like, right across from people and you're just like, I want to look through the window, but I don't want you to think I'm staring at you. But then I guess I could just stare up at the ads the whole time. Like, there's, yeah. like, a whole thing. And then when you're around other people and you're traveling, you're just like... I'm never going to see you again. I don't really care if you think I'm looking at you or past you. Like, <laughs> yeah. Here it's just like, oh, God, it's the guy. It's that guy. <laughs> that guy I see every day. Yeah. yeah. Do you have any kind of discordant sides? <laughs> I feel like before I left this time and maybe even last time, because I felt kind of burnt out when I went on my last trip and I, I've become like revitalized where here at home I like I work and then I watched documentaries or, like, I'll read something. Or yeah, even before I went on the trip, I don't think I was reading as much as I wanted to. Or, like, I, I spent a couple of weeks where it was getting dark really early. So it was, like, 6 o'clock. I guess I'll go to sleep. Right. Like, <laughs> And it was just, it, I went through kind of a 
and I feel like I have a predisposition to depression. So like, especially in the winter, I was just like, well, life's meaningless. I'm just going to go to bed for a little while <laughs> and then wake up at three o'clock in the morning and not be able to figure out what's going on and kind of have like a weird existential crisis and then read a little bit. Yeah. Um, or like make some eggs. Uh, <laughs> but when I'm, when I'm on the road or when I'm traveling or, or anywhere else, I'm like, Hey, Oh my god, it's like almost 12 o'clock in the morning. I guess we should go to bed. We've been right. having a really great time. Yeah. Or not. Yeah, <laughs> or let's just keep hanging out. Um, or like I'll... I'm like hardcore museum visitor mm-hmm. on vacations. So I'll go to all these different museums and like, I haven't been to a museum here in a really long time. Exactly. Yeah. I'm always like, I'm going to go I'm gonna go to the surgical museum. I'm going to check out the field museum. But then I'm like, but I also... Like, there's new Netflix stuff. Right. So, yeah. So, I'm a lot more introverted, outgoing, of, like, I'll go into more public spaces (laughs) and and not necessarily talk to people, but exist in these public spaces versus just walking across the street and going to a bar that I know is there when I'm home. Exactly. I'd rather just be miserable and alone. Right? Right? (laughs) I'm home. What else am I supposed to do? And I feel like if you go to a bar alone when you're on vacation or abroad, you're exotic and it's yeah. serving your independence. But when you do it by yourself <laughs> at home, it's like, loser. Yeah. Doesn't yeah. have any friends to get a beer with, you know? <laughs> when I travel and I go somewhere else and I am by myself, I do make up like, well, maybe I'm like a, a hit woman. <laughs> like, if somebody asks, I'll just speak in an Australian accent. <laughs> or like, yeah, coming up with different potential personalities of like, who I could be. Right. How did I find myself in this establishment? But yeah, no, if I go across the way, it's a loser who lives in the apartment across the way. And I feel like in that respect, I'm much more forgiving of to myself on vacation or yeah. when I'm yeah. traveling. I'm not nearly as hard on myself. If I make a mistake here, it's like stupid stuff. Stupid. Like all Chris Farley. But um, if I make a mistake when I travel, it's like, well, I didn't know any better. I'm going to do better tomorrow, you know? Yeah. yeah. And it's so weird, you know, it's like this kind of also weird hang up of like your reputation, which I like when I travel, I don't care. But, you know, with regards to the bar thing, it's like I can have a beer by myself at a bar in Chicago as long as I have a book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I want to say from like noon to like six or seven later than that and i start to feel weirded out like what are people going to think yes and to me (laughs) like the mount everest of this whole situation is actually going to a club by myself which i don't think i will ever be able to do even like just to like (laughs) dance just because you kind of want to groove and it's maybe when i travel i don't do it but that might be just because of my general disinterest with clubs in general at this point I feel there was a time when I would have been 21 years old and I would have been totally okay. Um, yeah. yeah. One of my favorite things to do when I'm on vacation is go to concerts. Right. You know, by myself. And people, concert goers are generally pretty friendly, so yeah. you always strike up a conversation. But here I do it, but it feels weird. Yeah, right. like you did that a couple weeks ago here. I went to a show and I was just like, I'm the weird person by their, themselves. Everybody has someone, be it a friend or significant other. There or a group of people, and I'm just that weird girl standing in the back who should probably just go home. You should just go yeah, home. Right. Just get out of here. What are you doing with... Hey, by the way, just go to sleep. Right. <laughs> go home now. You have bourbon. <laughs> bourbon will love you. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, I feel like if I were anywhere else, I'd be like, oh, this is a cool thing. Let's Yeah, I'm going to check this out. Right. I don't know these people. Maybe yeah. I'll meet, you know... 
the, my new best friend or we've learned that in the inside we're all still the same broken sixth graders yep. when we're in Chicago <laughs> and <laughs> amazing badass women mm -hmm. when we're abroad <laughs> um what have you guys learned about either your own country you know like the United States or the world in general just because of your travels we've got a lot of really strange customs when it comes to museums willingly have mm -hmm. run into some kind of bizarre and terrifying things that we think are very important and need to show everybody yeah um everything just like in a, in a like specific moment in time i'm talking about a very specific museum <laughs> the which and, one but it, it's and it, i feel let me preface this by saying i know it's a very big event that happened and it's a like important for people to know about it but it just freaked my shit out uh the sixth floor museum in dallas texas Oh. Uh, which is the sixth floor of the book the Texas State Bos uh, Book Depository, or what used to be. I thought it was going to be, like, it was an interesting and enlightening museum, but it also just scared the shit out of me. And, you know, at this point, know how I feel about death. And I know that the Kennedy assassination was a really, it was awful. And I just, yeah. like, I think, I don't know if it was a mixture of learning about it and, for, and knowing about it for so long and then physically being there, or the fact that, like, I was walking down the street and I knew that that was the right building because I knew what the building looked like. But also, one of the windows was kind of wedged open and it looked like there was a gun pointing oh. at you. And it was just, like, it was so bizarre and just freaked my shit out so bad that I was just like, we're weird. We, like, <laughs> I don't think that the place should be knocked down. I think it should definitely be, like, a, it's a historic monument to a terrible but right. actual event. And it was a really big event, obviously. But, like, it's just, I think we honor things very oddly. And for, as a weird person, like, for me to say that. Right. <laughs> I know there is other stuff that we do this to as well. Yeah. But it's just, like, it really made me examine how we categorize events. And it made it seem fake to a degree. Like, it just seemed like this weird frozen moment that... Like, why are we, why are we in here? We shouldn't be in here, right. you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But, um, then I just looked up a bunch of really cool conspiracy theory stuff, so. <laughs> Felt yeah. a little bit better. Went to a sculpture garden, I kind of <laughs> ate some pupusas, everything was great. But, like, yeah, I just feel like we have a very, a very interesting way of memorializing and honoring things. Yeah. That if you took a couple of steps back, you would realize just kind of how disturbing it is. Right. But I also went to the Museum of Funeral History, which was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's interesting. You know, what a country or a place decides to memorialize is very telling, mm -hmm. you know, of what they think is important, what they think changed their identity or their course yeah, in history right. and all that kind and of I, things. Yeah, and I definitely uh, don't mean to disrespect the event. I feel like it was very important. Yeah. It's just, yeah, the way that it was, the way that it's done. Yeah, I wouldn't take a kid there. No. Yeah, there's like X's on the ground outside. Oh, yeah. Like it's just, it's like borderline disturbing. Right. How about you, Kathy? <laughs> All right. <Yeah. laughs> I'm like, tell us more about how the United States is crazy. Yeah, I will. I will. I will. Oh, first, yeah. first of all, the United States is crazy huge. Now, every time I leave the country and um. I hear people from other countries, like smaller countries like Germany, talk about how they've been everywhere in Germany. I'm like, wow, that <laughs> must be really weird for you because I still haven't seen the Grand Canyon. Um, 
So you can drive, like I was mentioning Jordan, you can drive across Jordan in like three or four hours. Whoa. But if I drive south from Chicago in four hours, I will only have made it across Illinois. Yeah. And there's still so much I haven't seen here. And I really, sometimes I forget how big our country is. And I'm always impressed when people from other countries have been to every place in the U.S. And I'm like, nope, haven't been there. And another thing I have learned, especially talking to Inez about Peru, who's sort of, I think I've always kind of known this on a surface level, but to have someone who comes from a country where this is more prominent, are you curious yet? Yeah. I'm like, what the hell did I say? I'm so nervous. Oh my god. Uh, There's just, I just... It's been really hitting home lately that there's discrimination everywhere in the world, oh. but it is different. Like, for example, the U.S. The U.S. discriminates a little bit in terms <laughs> in terms of skin color, you know, <laughs> just a little. Um, but there's still the belief here that of the American dream, where you can start from nothing and make your fortune. And the, there's a lot of mobility here in terms of class. Some in some easier than others. Where other countries might not discriminate so much based on skin color, but are super stratified based on class. And you yeah. just can't move from one class to another. So both both discriminations are wrong. But <laughs> but like really distinct and different. And then my final thing I've learned about the world is that people are generally kind and at the very least decent. If you get mugged on the street, people might not call the cops or rush to help you, but they'll probably will be like, hey, are you okay? You know, right. so <laughs> I, I don't expect much from my fellow man. Wow. This yeah, is like no. a, a dark turn this conversation yeah. has taken. Mm, not the darkest. No. That's <laughs> true. But it's, I mean, I guess kind of to piggyback from... <laughs> From what Kathy has learned from my rants, I guess, about the U.S. and the world and discrimination in general. So I'm going to talk about my own country, which is Peru. And to be fair, I haven't traveled around in Peru the way other foreigners have traveled in Peru. I always get the same, you know, the same feeling you get when you find a couple from Germany who's been to, like, all 50 states. Yeah. And you haven't been to the Grand Canyon. And, and they're um, just like, we just rented a camper. And yeah. I'm like, of course you did. Of course. <laughs> it's like, we have our six-week state oh my God. vacation. Yeah. So this is what we're going to You've do. You've never been to Boise? Yeah. <laughs> so I get that all the time in Peru, especially now because it's become such a tourist destination. But the one thing that is very apparent to me traveling as a Peruvian who's from Lima, which is the capital city, and from a Peruvian who's pretty privileged, is that my Peru and everyone else's Peru are basically on two different planets. I have no idea what the hell is going on in the Amazon jungle. The people who live there have no idea what the hell is really going on in Lima, other than it's very far away and all the decisions they make there ends up affecting them. You know, this is more mad, like just because of the stratified society, just a difference in the quality of life is so, so stark that it's really even hard to relate in any, you know, it's not because we're Peruvian somehow we're united. That doesn't mean to say that they won't, that we hate each other, but you know, like everyone is welcome and treats you well and everything. But if it's like me being dropped into the middle of some rural area in Peru, I will probably be just as much of a foreigner as Jessica or Kathy. Mm -hmm. And then what I've learned about the world in general, and this kind of also goes to your point, is we're all kind of more alike than we think. Yeah. We really are. Like, people worry about the same stuff 
everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> you know, everywhere. It's probably like 0.001% of the people in this world are the crazies that ruin it for the rest of us. Yes. <laughs> but most people just want to be safe. They want to have a family. They want like food on the table, on their table, you know, maybe like have their sports team win every once in a while. And like, that is it. Yeah. So why is it that you guys uh, feel that travel helps you see things clear, clearer? I, I don't know. I feel like for me, it's it, I've always had, whenever, whenever I really needed to clear my mind, I would just kind of <laughs> run away from my problems. Me too! <laughs> <laughs> but even like, so yeah, driving clears my head, running clears my head, getting away from everything, because you're not just constantly inundated and surrounded by all of your stuff, I feel like helps put all of your stuff in perspective yeah. and just kind of being able to switch to vacation you mm-hmm. even if it's not like if it's more like survival you or right. like <laughs> camping you or fancy resort you like you your brain gets to take a break and so I think it kind of just makes things a lot more clear when you're not necessarily thinking about something. Like when you're brainstorming to try to write a new project or something like that, mm-hmm. I feel like personally I get more ideas when I'm away from something. Like I'll scribble out as much as I've got yes. and then I'll just sit and think on something. Like today when I was driving back from um, Wisconsin, I I was listening to mix CDs that I made whoa, like 10 years ago and a song came on that I was thinking about the other day, and as soon as that song came on, it reminded me of a scene that I'm writing in a script that I didn't know. Like, I didn't have a visualization for one of the characters, and then they just, like, appeared. So it's, like, distracting yourself from the things that you want to solve. Right. Yeah, like, having that, having your brain focus on something else while you trick it into working out other problems. Right, right. (laughs) And I totally agree with that, because I think being in a new environment like, at least for me, totally spurs my creativity. Yeah. And it's it's like when you're a little kid and everything is new and you learn something new every day. Mm-hmm. It kickstarts your brain and you're just creating new things all the time based on this information that's being thrown at you. So that is one of the reasons I love to travel. Very yeah. succinct and well said. <laughs> Thank you. It's also the fact that you don't have to live within the paradigms you usually live. Mm-hmm. That's at least for me the big part. You know, in Chicago, I have a certain schedule. I have, as you said, certain projects in mind. I also think, you know, that there's, and I'm saying this in the best way possible, but it's like I've established certain dynamics in all my relationships, and it's I think it's kind of hard to evolve from them, you know, or break free from that once it's established. So to go to a new place and suddenly feel like you have a clean slate is amazing. (laughs) Like, there is no one there yet that has had any issues with you. You don't have any (laughs) issues with them. Everything is still magical. And because you're not worried about all this mundane daily grind, it all of a sudden the big picture starts to take over. Right. Because your main worry isn't, oh, I have to get that client report in. Yeah. It's more... I am right now on top of a volcano. What does that mean? (laughs) And I think that's when, even though it's really hard to translate whatever your epiphany is into your daily life, because of course you have to deal with the practical matters, I think it's really important to listen and take into account what that 
free version of yourself is because that's probably what you really want out Ex- of life. And mm-hmm. and to question. Yeah. Like, I question the most when I'm in comparative environments, I think. Like, oh, in Guatemala they do it this way, but it, at home we do it this way. And why is that? Right. You know? You, this is getting super sociological, but you definitely start to see everything as a social structure. Yes! <laughs> oh my god. Like, why is it in Sweden I can sleep with 10 guys and they think that's totally fine, but you know, <laughs> I go to Brazil and all of a sudden it's a big issue and has, and it goes from that. You know, from those kind of really large questions to also the smaller things like, ooh, why do Malin tacos have this instead of that? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and where can I find this at home? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Jessica. For You're always so wise. Yes. You guys, stop. Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. And thank you both for inspiring me to start my own personal traveling uh, experience. Oh, oh, you. Seriously, I wouldn't be doing all of my weird road trippy plan to leave one place and get to another place and, you know, kind of figure stuff out as it comes along without y'all. So, well, Aww. we appreciate it. We wouldn't be able to record this without you, yeah. literally. Oh, <laughs> shucks. So, thanks for being our den mama into yeah. the Aww. world of podcasting. Well, if you like us, like Jessica <laughs> does, or love them, or love us, um, subscribe to us on iTunes, follow us on Podbean, or um, we're also part of a bunch of podcast directories, so we're pretty easy to find. We also have Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can find us on our website, xxwilltravel.com. And if you really, really love us, please leave us a review, a glowing review. So that more people can love us as well. Because that's all we really want. Yeah. To be loved. We do. <laughs> and it's not the most important thing. Remember, you got to focus on yourself first. Yeah, it's true. Love yourself. Self-love and then <laughs> the world. <laughs> Having said that, go forth and travel.